is another edition of the High Hopes Podcast. I am James Seltzer, and with me, the man, the myth, the legend, the man who can't stop offering up his body for tattoos, Mr. Twitter himself, Johnny Marks. What's up, brother? Oh, did you hear me uh, talking about that today? What is wrong with you, man? Like, you can't, I'm, not, just, I'm not sure. And no one like challenges you. This is not like, oh, well, let's make a bet. And there's something you get out of it. All you get out of it is, is uh, like, granted, a championship, which would be awesome. But but it's not mutually exclusive. They could still win, and you wouldn't have to get a, a Aaron Nola tattoo. So to explain, when I was getting the... The, I, have, I have a Nick Foles tattoo on my back because I said if the Eagles win the Super Bowl, I'll get Nick Foles' face on my back. So, yeah, Nick Foles is on my back. Um, so while I was doing that, John Brazier of the Phillies texted me and said, hey, make a deal with me. If the, if the, if the Phillies win, this, win the World Series, you'll get uh, Odubel Herrera's face on your, <laughs> on your body. And I said, well, I'm not going to get his face, but I'll get El Torito. Uh, from shoulder blade to shoulder blade, almost like a gang, uh, like a sublime tattoo that Bradley Noel yeah, had on of his course, back. I, of course. I'll get that, El Torito. And, you know, because the Phillies don't have a chance to win the World Series. Now they're on pace to win 92 games, and I'm starting to sweat it a little oh bit. Oh, my God. Well, I love that you just said, like, sure, I'll do it. They're not going to win. And the fact that I, I guess there is something to the fact that you already have the Nick, Tol- Nick Foles tattoo there. So, the back's kind of ruined anyway, right? So you can just keep the going. Back's, the back's totally ruined. I'm probably already... Ha- well, this, see, this could be divorce. Tomorrow's my anniversary. Oh, no. So, yeah, I could end it four years if I got this. But here, here's the other thing, James. I could just say, no, I lie. I'm out. I'm not doing it. Yes. But... I could this do that, one, but I'm not this going one, to. not it. Yeah, no, no. Obviously, you got a freaking Nick Foles tattoo on your back because that you don't back out on these things. Which could you imagine? Yeah, it would be well worth it. Well worth an El Torito tattoo. Oh my God, yeah. To to win the World Series, let's roll. And who knows? Mm-hmm. Maybe you got some magic juju going, John. I, I like that. Hey man, worth the shot. I'll take right? it. Yeah, because then I'll, I'll I'll take it. Because then if they do win and you get that two tattoo, like we can say for sure it was because of that. I think it's just... It was me. It was you. You're the guy. Yeah. It's pretty yeah, cool. That other talk show host in town, that Skippy or whatever his name is, <laughs> he's not He's not, He's not. not getting championships. That's for sure. I'm the one getting it. I'm putting my body on the line. Just stay, you know off, I mean? stay off Twitter and everything will be fine, right? <laughs> <laughs> all right. Let's actually talk some Phillies here. Uh, Marks and I are doing this. We were like, all right, we'll, uh, we'll watch the Phillies-Mets game, last game of series, and then we'll... Well, pod, and now it's in the bottom of the 10th inning, and we were like, we can't stay up all night, so we're going to roll with it. Hopefully it doesn't end in a Mets win. Runner on second right now. Two outs, though. Um, Johnny, uh, just in general, kind of a, a macro look where this team is at right now. We are, um, you know, five games, essentially, if you include this one, four games with the Baltimore game, and then three of Miami away from the All-Star break. And this team, right now, alone in first, the Braves are up on Toronto right now, so we'll see how this plays out, but... You know, in first place in the NL East, uh, where are you at with this team? Amazing. Totally amazing. <laughs> on, crazy. On, on, on pace to win 92 games, Mikel Franco uh, kind of almost out of nowhere 
is is hitting 272 is 12 home runs 45 RBIs at least before tonight's game I know they they haven't scored either team yet but uh it's amazing and I I give a lot of credit to the starting pitching the bullpen's been tremendous the lineup is now coming around which is if you're looking for a reason why the Phillies aren't going to level off here I think because the lineup actually is coming around and of course you have to you have to give a lot of credit to Gabe Kapler who regardless of what you think of the analytics and think about his tanning or the way he talks if he doesn't criticize his players the guys like playing for him and it shows in the uh, in, in their results and in, in, in the way they're on the field so I I'm happy I'm proud and it's uh, it's gonna be a fun ride here the last couple months yeah they're making uh, my 88 and your 87 win calls not look uh, nearly as, as silly as people seem to make us feel when we made those predictions and look a lot of baseball still to be played but I think he hit on something there with Kapler and just the fact that, you know, we've heard multiple players say it, that that his positivity, I believe Reese Hoskins said it on your show on, on Marks yeah. and Reese, that his positivity it, like really helps over the grind of a baseball season, over 162 games. And, and I totally buy into that. It is a grind and you don't want some a-hole manager always up your butt and all that. Like, I think someone who, who promotes with positive reinforcement is something where that I could see how that, especially, look, especially if you're winning, right? We always get into this. If you're losing, it's going to be yes. a whole different ballgame. And by the way, oh, look, not getting the call there. It looked like he got the call. All right, so first and second, two out. Um, but, uh, you know, it's one of those things where I think that when you look at the situation, I think so far and again with winning, but Kapler's positivity is working. And I think that, it's also the, the kind of way this team is played. I know a lot of people are looking at their run differential and looking at the 18-7 and seven record in one-run games and screaming, they're lucky, they're not that good, all that stuff. But I feel like as, as someone who you know watches every single game, literally, I, I feel like it's not just luck. I feel like there's a resiliency to this team, uh, especially for such a young group with a first-year manager. They are... They're tough, man, and and they, it feels like they're never out of a ball game. Have you gotten yeah. that kind of impression, or do you lean more towards the? And obviously, look, there's always going to be some luck involved, but but do you get that same kind of feel? Man, that's the ball game. That's where yeah, it's, uh, it's, a it's a bummer right there. Series split, but you kind of I kind of felt like that with Lighter coming in the game in the tenth, and then that walk right there. Um, yeah, yeah, but 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 I, I, I last year last year or was it two years ago? The Phillies won a lot of one-run games, and that was that was hocus pocus. That was getting lucky. There's a little bit of luck in in the one-run games, but I, I think more than anything, the reason why they're so successful in the one-run games is their bullpen. Outside of the, the ninth inning problems they've had without a, a without a, a set dominant closer, uh, they're winning a lot of one-run games because they're not scoring a lot of runs, but they're able to shut the door. So no, I I, I don't think that it's it's lucky. This is a good team. And there is something to be said for Gabe Kaplan. I, I always go back to Larry Boa. Larry Boa is one of the, one of the, the great baseball men that's that in the Phillies organization ever. Great player, great, great, great baseball guy, you know. And Larry Boa, the manager, you're coming in 162 games, and he is just wired like crazy. And it's tough. Guys shut him down. He made them better when he took over for Terry Francona. But it got old, and it got old pretty quick. Charlie Manuel was the perfect antidote for, for Larry Boa. He made it enjoyable to come in to work every day. And I feel like there's a little bit of that with Gabe Kapler because, like you said, it's a grind. It's a long season. 
And if you don't enjoy, if it's not a positive environment, if it's not a positive atmosphere, Pete McCannon last year, Pete's a good baseball guy. I, I, I think Pete's a nice guy. You know, I, they, I, I, they weren't in sync. The guys weren't in mm-hmm. sync with him. And I think it, sh- it showed in the results, especially early and in, in middle of the way through the season. So I, I, th- this isn't bogus. And this is they need to keep rolling. They need to keep winning games. And, and that's the easier said than done. But, um, you know, I, 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 this isn't luck. As far as I'm concerned. Uh, 100% agree with you. And and look, I think McCannon last year, it seemed uh, there's a reason that Pete McCannon has, has been in baseball for 50 years and is always an interim manager, always a bench coach, yeah. always a whatever. Um, he doesn't relate to players that well. And I think we saw that last year. And I think maybe one of the things that a lot of people underrated with Kapler coming in here is how close he was to his playing career and how he's played with some of the guys they face and, and guys like that, you know, who's been on teams with them. And... To have that kind of connection to the way players are right now, the way clubhouses are right now, I think we might have underrated that. And I think that so far we're seeing that prove to be pretty beneficial. And and like you said, um, I just think it's it's kind of the mentality of this team. It's It seems like, and, and I think tonight a perfect example, you know, uh, bottom of the 10th walk-off home run. How many games have we had like that this year? The, I mean, I can think of three that Hector Neris alone you know and then the jason hayward walk off grand slam and all that stuff and and yet this team's still tied for first place or sitting in first place and uh depending on if the braves can hold this lead here still tied for first place with um you know i think that's really impressive Uh, and and it seems like every time they they kind of get knocked down they find a way to come back and and win the next day and yeah it, it's it's like you said they're resilient this team has a winning attitude and it starts with the manager and when when things are going wrong in the beginning of the season you remember Gabe Kapler set the expectation at, at at playoffs in spring training and early on when they were having problems when Nick Williams was was openly questioning him uh, when it looked like that that he may not last very long as a manager with some early mistakes he doubled down on making the playoffs he came out and he said no this team is still going to make the playoffs he didn't waver. He didn't hedge. He didn't bring expectations back down. He stood up in front of the media and he said, no, this team's still going to the playoffs. And uh, at the time, I liked that because he had confidence in him. And he showed these guys he had confidence in him. And when when guys were maybe scratching their head and saying, well, what is he doing? He pulled Aaron Nola. What is he doing? He went to the bullpen and nobody was warming up. Like, what is this guy doing? Does he know what he's doing? He stepped up and, and he's rallied this team. And uh, and it's it's pretty fun to watch, and, and I'm happy for him. Yeah, and it's clear he's learning on the job. You know, he's not making the Absolutely. same mistakes over and over again. He's learning from these things, whether it is trusting Nola in those types of situations. Uh, you know, the the game against the Orioles, leaving him in against Manny Machado, a recent example of that. Yes. Um. Yes. And, and you know, it just seems like you know he makes a mistake and he learns from it and and moves forward. And that's. That's really all you can ask for, for out of someone in that position. Um, I, I also think, um, let, let, you know, kind of diving into to this week. And look, they won eight out of their last nine series prior to this Mets series. New York teams, the only ones giving them trouble, the Yankees, and then this series here with the Mets. But yeah. um, looking at this series here, a few interesting takeaways from an on-the-field perspective as it seems like we're pretty much on the same page with the job that Gabe has done through his first half of season. But looking at um, uh, a couple of things from this series, let's start on the offensive side. You mentioned him before, but Mike Alfranco, since settling into the eight hole in the lineup has been 
on an absolute tear. And you and I have both been pretty vocal in our uh, criticism of Franco and with good reason because he has never done it consistently and I still need to see him do it consistently over a longer period than a month or whatever. But what you're seeing out of Franco right now, is this giving you hope? It is, um, especially defensively. And he's made a couple of really, really good plays in the last week to 10 days where it's like, all right, he's fielding his position and he's helping them defensively. That's great. What he's been able to do and I was talking to L.A. about this today, and I said, yeah, it kind of reminds me of, of the way that, that, that Charlie Manuel handled Pat Burrell or handled some other players where he knew the time to sit them down and make them watch and then when to get them back in the lineup. And I guess out of desperation because they don't really have anybody else to play, Franco on, ended up back down there, back in there. But the eight hole seems to be working for him really, really well. And you know, K- Gabe talked about it, I think, after yesterday's game. They're saying, well, when do you move him out of the eight hole? And he said, you know, it's a good question. I, I, I don't think he really knows. It's kind of a feel. So for all the, analytic, all, all the analytic talk that everybody says, oh, he does care about analytics, he still has a very good feel for his team and his players. And do I think Mikel Franco is going to uh, bat 300 the rest of the season and end up with 25, 30 home runs? Not necessarily, um, but so far so good. And uh, I'm not sold on him doing this the entire year. But, hey, I'll be happy if he doesn't. Totally. I'll, I'll take what I can get from Franco. And, look, you mentioned yeah. it d- defensively. He's been excellent. An excellent, excellent defense. And, obviously, he makes those, uh, you know, he's made a couple of those highlight reel type, wow, how did he make that type of plays. But I'm just so impressed by how shorthanded he is and how, you know, if it's into third base, he's going to make the play. I feel like every single time, and he's got a cannon of an arm and can make every single throw that that position needs to make. He, um, he's more agile than he looks. You know, he's kind of bulked up a little bit, uh, a bit of a yeah. bigger guy, and, he, and he's certainly not a fast runner, but I think defensively that athleticism does still kind of come out. And I'm with you. Look, I, I, I need to see Franco do it for a longer period of time. And, and again, I'm still open to uh, hoping that other teams see this hot streak and want to trade for him, like the Padres rumor for a little bit ago. But look, right now he's given them some offense that they, that they've they've needed, and it's um it's been helpful. Another guy who got the start again tonight and has looked kind of just been taking starts from from Jorge Alfaro, seemingly almost every night now. It seems like at least certainly the 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 majority of the of the reps at catcher have gone to Andrew Knapp, who has been. Really hot. Another nice hit tonight, a double uh, that didn't turn into anything. Very terrible base running mistake in the uh, in the 10th inning that certainly hurt them, and, and obviously they lose in the bottom of the 10th. But for the most part, he's nowhere near the defensive catcher that Alfaro is, especially obviously the arm is, you know, just, it's like, a, you know, having a howitzer and a, and a you know potato gun. But A pea shooter. Yeah, exactly. But, um, <laughs> uh, you know, Knapp's been hitting the ball well. Yeah, and, and his uh, the reason that he's in the majors and it, when he was a prospect, it was always his bat. He was never a great defensive catcher. Adequate, I guess. But it, if you looked at Jorge Alfaro, he has power potential, raw power, and he's got, the, he's got the tools to be, if not one of the best, the best catcher in baseball defensively. And Knapp's never been that guy, and he's never going to be that guy. If he hits, he, he, he'll be getting more starts. I wonder if Kapler's kind of, Looking at the fact that he's been he's been hot, and this is kind of a motivational tool for Alfaro to kind of sit and watch a little bit, and to also kind of catch his breath. 
Now, this is a guy that's had some injury issue, issues in the in the past. They're, they've played 90 games. Uh, I don't know how many games he's played, but this is this is going to be the most he's played in his career, and it's a grind. So uh, it, it, it goes to show you, is he using analytics or is, is he going with a feel? I feel like right now he's going with a feel for Nat, with Nap and you know, and it, listen, he, he's looked good. He's looked good. So um, we'll see how it continues. I never like when Alfaro's not in the lineup. So I, lo- I love watching him play. I love the kid. Me too. He's so much fun. And, and speaking of athletic plays, I mean, uh, obviously that one play at the, to finish out the game on the little nibbler that he, I mean, that's a play I've never seen any catcher make. <laughs> it was unreal. And, and obviously a cannon. He's fun to watch back there. And I think he's improving defensively every time he gets out there. But I think you make some really great points there, especially the point about the fact that Oriol Faro has never played more than 100, 110 games or whatever it is in a season. Yep. Like we say, it's a grind, and, and especially at that position, it's a real grind. So I think, you know, I think like you said, Kapler is feeling the spot and saying, all right, Nap's hot right now. I can get some games out of Nap. I can save some of Jorge. I can get by doing this while also riding a hot bat. And and again, it's like everyone was so afraid of that, John. Remember, it was like, oh, my God, he sets his lineup a week in advance. What the hell is this guy doing? And it's like, no, like, chill. You know, give him a chance to figure this out. And it certainly has looked that way. And look, another example of that has been, uh, and and uh, Jack Fritz, if you're listening, the absolutely correct choice to play Nick Williams almost every day, if not every day, and not play Aaron Altair, because I'm sorry, Jack. Aaron Altair has been a major disappointment. Jack, the only person still dying on this hill. John, we're not even going to talk about that because, again, no one but Jack thinks that Aaron Altair should play over Nick Williams. I want to talk about how good Nick Williams has been over the last month or so. The, I agree. The plate coverage. Uh, he always seems to get a big hit for you. He, he's been grinding on the base pass. I've been really impressed with Nick. And so after he was traded here in the in the Hamels deal, right, right away you see athleticism. And he went to Reading, and he, he was on fire, right? And then his first year in AAA – he was a younger guy in AAA. I mean, he's still, what, over 20, he's only 24, 25 years old yeah. now, right? I mean, he's still a young player. And you saw the struggles with him because he wasn't a disciplined hitter. He's not a walk guy. He's not a see-a-lot-of-pitch guy. He's a swing, and if he makes contact, he's got good natural power. He's an extra base hit hitter. He's got good speed. And in AAA, you're facing guys that most likely have been in the majors. They're not throwing 96, 97 like a lot of prospects are in AA. Throwing you junk, so he learned a lot in AAA as far as off-speed pitches, recognizing it, really understanding what to do, uh, what a pitcher's trying to do to him. Because you know what, he's got better plate discipline in the majors than he's ever had in the minors. Yeah, he has learned. Point. He has learned a lot. He walks a lot more than he did. He's not a guy that's just coming up there to hack. He's not. He's not coming up there and just swing, swing, swing. He's not. It's an 0-2 count, and he's swinging fastball, and he's getting an off-speed pitch because no no pitcher's going to throw him a fastball in that count. He's actually understanding what's going on, and you can see the light going on. I know he doesn't have a, a high average, but the, the hits that he's had, whether they're pinch hits or they're when he's starting, he's had big hits, big home runs, big extra base hits. And Jack and I were actually just arguing in the in the office the other day. He's like, hey, Nick Williams, blah, 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 blah. Nick Williams, is, is he's your starter for years to come. And uh, it, it I, and I'm glad you brought him up, James, because he really does deserve some credit. He has looked really good this year, and it's exciting to know that he's versatile. He can play all three spots out there, 
And um, if I'm looking towards the future and you're talking about a Bryce Harper coming in, Nick Williams is my is my starter. You got Odubel, you got Nick Williams, and you have Bryce Harper or wh- whatever else other outfielder you want to sign. Not not Terry. He's a backup. Yeah. No. Look, uh, I uh, I couldn't agree more. And I'm sure Fritz is going to listen to this and be throwing his iPhone out the window. But uh, you know, it just is good. what it is. Yeah. Aaron out there has not been good this year, and I know he has had uh, shown the ability to be very good at the major league level, but. Nick Williams is showing that right now, too. And I have a lot of respect for the way Williams handled everything after the whole computer lineup thing and all that. He's been good, and he's been, you know, he's taken uh, the the benchings, the, the you know, early part of the season, Altair getting the lion's share of the work. He came in and was the best pinch hitter in the history of baseball, it seemed, and, and then took advantage of the opportunity to play more and more and more, especially as Altair struggled. And right now he's one of those guys that, he was one of the, the four or five guys you want up in a big spot right now for this team, which well, is and, crazy. And let's um, let's give Gabe Kapler another little dose of credit for this, because you remember Nick Williams came out early in the season because he wasn't getting his at-bats. I mean, Christ, they, they were giving Scott Kingery starts, in, and that's really when he went off. Kingery got to start over Nick Williams. It wasn't Altair that got to start. Yep. It was Kingery that got to start over him. And that's where he, he spoke out about it, and he said, well, well, at least I can play more video games if I'm not playing or whatever. And it took, kind of took a shot at the manager, and, and, and it sounded bad. And you know what Kapler did? Kapler didn't come out and rip him or not have a comment and say, oh, I'll talk to the player. He actually kind of backed him up and had a conversation with him and, and handled it the way that Gabe Kapler has shown that he's, that he's handling his guys. It, it was, I think it was a learning uh, moment for, for everybody. And at that moment where it seemed like the club, the clubhouse could crumble, guys had question marks about him. And, it, and you know what it ended up being? It ended up being one of those moments where maybe you can point to it and say, that was it. That was a moment where maybe things changed for Nick. Maybe things, it, it was one of, the, one of those moments where it could have been like, all right, well, the season's going to be lost because they're going to send him down to AAA. I think I had the knee-jerk reaction of like, screw him, send him down to AAA. Mm-hmm. You can't say things like Teach that. Teach him you a lesson. What? Right, right. Yeah, yeah, you could have done that, or you could have done what Gabe did, which seems like it's paid off. Yeah, I think it's uh, look, I think it's a terrific point, especially. Um, it sounds like you know it's like just a, a Gabe credit fest, but I, I think you have to give credit where it's due, and I think people are starting to come around to see the type of job he's doing, and not to pile on poor Pete McCannon, but when you look back at last season, this is the exact type of stuff that he struggled with. You know, every time he tried to deal with Odubel, yeah. it was a disaster. Pat Neshek and him going out where, where basically he said, oh, I asked Neshek to go back out, and he said he wouldn't go back out, and Neshek was like, nah, it didn't happen. I mean, stuff like that, and granted, Pat Neshek, not the best dude, but, or at least, no, you know, he's a no, fine no. guy, but not my favorite player, you know, seems seems like a bit of a, he, a prima donna for he, a guy who's uh, he's not, not very, necessarily the best player on the team. He's not very flexible, we'll say that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He, he, he likes to kind of come in at the beginning of one inning, and then that's it. He doesn't want to come in in the middle. Sorry for it. He doesn't want to come in in the middle of the inning or, you know, two innings or anything like that. So Yeah, and also, listen, bro, if Zach Greinke doesn't want to sign your baseball cards, get over it. You are an adult nice. playing in Major League Baseball. And what is wrong with you? You're not a seven-year-old kid who's Zach Greinke's like, no, kid, go home. I mean, pull it together, yeah, it was... Pat. Pull it together, Pat. That was embarrassing. Very odd. <laughs> All right. Very, uh, very, very odd. All right, let's flip it around to the pitching side. We'll get to uh, – the debut of Eniel De Los Santos in a sec, but I wanted to start with the guy 
who very deservedly the only all-star on this team and, and just went out just again and uh, in a game they needed to have, really, when you look at the way the series was breaking out with losing game one, Eflin was fine, you know, not as, as good as he's been, but was fine. Um, tough loss there in extras on the floor as Homer. And then they needed Aaron Nola to come out, especially not knowing what you get from De Los Santos, having Jacob deGrom going today. You needed Aaron Nola to come out and be Aaron Nolan and be your stopper. And, and he was all that more. And not only that, he actually drove in the only three runs of the game for the Phillies. So he did it all. Seven innings, 10 Ks, just a dominant performance. Um, you know, where are you at with Aaron Nola? I think, I think we all kind of um, have, have continually been like, wow, he's this good. Wow, look how good. Oh, my God, he's an ace. Where, how did this happen? But I think we're starting to get to the point where he's like a borderline elite ace. Uh, this dude should start the All-Star game. He won't because it's in Washington and Scherzer will start. But, I mean, Aaron sure. Nola right now should be the Cy Young winner, and that's that's nuts, John. Yeah, it, can, can he, can, the, only, the only question I have is can he – continue and stay healthy for the rest of the season that's really the only question marks he's he's got great pure stuff the kid's a stud uh he, i love his mentality you, you you love him out on the mound he he's uh he's, he's not a real uh real loud and vocal guy he's stoic I, don't think. I like that he just goes about but, his business he does but there's a lot going on inside his head it, it's not it's not that he haven't interviewed him a couple times in person now he um you know he, he's a good guy he's he's a funny guy too but he's not the he's, he's not the loud guy yeah he's not he's not the loud guy but he, he believe me he, he he is uh he he is a stud and it's not you get some some half seasons where you get guys that have good good seasons and good stuff and then they lose some velocity or the, the rest of the league catches up with them because it's their second time around or whatever. That's not going to happen with him. If, if he stays healthy, which damn you better, he's going to win 20 games. He's going to win 20. Go, go win the Cy Young. You don't win 20 games anymore a lot in, in Major League Baseball. Kid is a stud, and it's fun to watch. Yeah, it really is. And he's so – I love the, his approach – to pitching the way he attacks hitters it's thoughtful he um isn't just going up and and just relying on his stuff he's actually a, a thinking man's pitcher and and then he has this is backwards sometimes. yeah and he has this stuff to boot and then real just i know a lot of people like to compare him to maddox and and i totally get it but we need to slow the roll a little bit i mean Maddox was the, had as much control as any pitcher I've ever seen in my life. Like he could put the ball wherever he wanted and make it move however he wanted. And Nola has that upside. I think. I mean, when you really look at the way he pitches, he's a similar type of pitcher, a little more velocity, yeah. not quite the same ability to manipulate the ball the way Maddox could. But I mean, just the fact that people are even dropping that name and and it's not a uh, the most outrageous thing you've ever heard is is ridiculous enough in and of itself. But um, look, I, I'm with you on. on Nola in terms of the way he is out on the mound. I love it. The kind of stoic. He works quick. He goes about his business. He's just going to get outs. And um, I just think also the other thing too is is we all thought he was a two. We thought maybe a three at first. Oh, he's going to get to the majors fast, but he's got a lower ceiling. And he's already defied that ceiling by leaps and bounds. So I, who knows what he could do from here, especially when you consider the fact he's only 25 years old. It's unbelievable. He just turned 25. 
So there's a lot of really great baseball in Aaron Nola left, and uh, it's exciting to have him here. Uh, All right, mentioned it before, uh, the other kind of big pitching story out of New York was the uh, debut of uh, not Freddie Galvis and yell De Los Santos. (laughs) Uh, Look, man, that was fun to watch thinking we got that guy for Freddie. Get that weird delivery. People were calling it deceptive. Very cross-body type stuff. How does he? How does he throw it in, in the mid nineties like that? It, it doesn't it, look like it should work. It's odd. It is. You know, I, I'll be really curious because he had really good success down at AAA. I'll be really curious what his second half looks like because he's not. He's not going to be up here pitching unless there's an injury or unless Pavetta continues the tailspin. I guess you could conceivably do that. Um, I'll be really curious to see what his second half looks like. Because I, 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 I'm not going to tell you that I wasn't impressed because it was a good outing, but I'm not totally sold that this kid is is as good as he looks. So we will, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. It had, had, a nice, had a nice start, but we'll see. It was immense. So, you know, we can't get too carried away. It's about as bad a lineup yeah. as you can face. So, uh, look, I think it was encouraging, and I think when you think about the fact that anything that he could possibly be for Freddie Galvis is is pretty amazing, but... Um, I'm with you. I think that, uh, you know, obviously, look, it's it's always hard to project these guys, but it was nice to see him come up even against a bad team, step in a spot start situation and really pitch well and, and get the job done and, and look at his first major league win. Um, all right. Uh, kind of the, the other thing out there uh, outside again, uh, Orioles, then the three games with the Marlins, then we're at the all-star break, John, but it is uh, it's all about the trade deadline coming up. And for the first time in a really long time, like we get to like scour rumors and you know, we look at tweets and this and that and be excited about the potential a- for trades for, here. For adding. For adding, exactly. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so um, look, uh, Machado, it said, uh, they said that they're out on Machado. Now Jim Bowden comes out and says that they're they're still in but don't have the best offer. We'll get to some of the other names, but but where do you stand on the whole Machado thing right now? Uh, I don't think it's going to happen. I, I, I mean, I, I don't. It's impossible to know what other teams are offering. My feel is that Phillies have inquired and and they're interested. But the I, see, I don't know if if the more success they have, the more they're fueled to go after them, or you know what I mean. Like like the fact that sure. they're continuing to roll. Does that mean? Does that make Matt Klintak feel like you know what? We have a real chance here. Let's go get them. Or is it him saying, hey, we can win without him, and we can go sign him for free? If the asking price is a, you know, a couple of, of your Legit, top ten prospects, yeah. yeah it, but, it, but if, it's, if it's two of your top five guys, maybe Contact says, you know what, I'll roll with what we have, and, and that's that. Because Machado's only going to play shortstop, and it's not, like that, it's not like he was playing third base before and Franco was really struggling to where you can say, all right, now your third base problem's solved and you have him in there. No, he wants to play shortstop, and and I listen. I, I'm not. I'm not sure how I feel about that. He's not a great shortstop. Yeah, that's a, that's frustrating he, because he's a really good third baseman too. He's just he's too he big for shortstop. He is no. He should he shouldn't be playing shortstop. Whoever signs him to a ten year contract, he's not going to play shortstop for more than a year or two before they have to move him back. And um, but but you know what, James, the the bat, he's the best hitter on the team. He would be the best hitter on the immediately, team. Immediately, yeah, immediately. Uh, immediately, 
and he makes your lineup that much better. I mean, and you're you're upgrading you're... from Kingery essentially. Like if you did bring him in and put him in shortstop, you're upgrading from Kingery to Machado. I mean, think about how much to better you are immediately. Immediately. Immediately, and you can now move Kingery around a little bit and get him some starts because I have liked the way that he's been he's been swinging the bat mm-hmm. a little bit better recently. But I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, I don't have the feel that it's going to happen. But if they keep winning games. Post All-Star break, Contact might say, you know what? Let's go for it. Let's do it. And that would be extremely exciting. Here's the other thing it does. We, we know they're not drawing great right now. And th- that'll change in August if they're still doing what they're doing right now. But if they acquire a Manny Machado, instantly that becomes an electric atmosphere down there. And it's must-watch it's must watch baseball. So that also is something that could play into it. Big picture from 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 a, an organizational standpoint, it's worth it to do it. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I think ultimately, like you said at the the top, I don't think it's going to happen. I think he's going to get traded to a team that is closer in their mind to being a definitive World Series title contender. Uh, you know, I think that the Phillies should look. Anything can happen. You get to the playoffs, especially when you got some legit pitching. But I don't think the Phillies believe they are real deal, make one move and win the World Series type of team this year. And and I think the team that trades for Machado will believe that and will be willing to give up more as a result. And as, look, especially because there there are a lot of names out there that that would be nice additions for this team and wouldn't be Machado and wouldn't give it that kind of immediate jolt like you kind of talked about both from a fan perspective and an on-the-field perspective but if they bring in a Mike Masakis or Whit Merrifield or a Josh Donaldson or a um you know who are the other names or Adrian Beltre like any of those types of guys coming in here would absolutely make this team better and you would be able to get them for in, an incredibly less amount mm-hmm. yeah no you're, you're right so you're right. I, I think that I think that they will make a couple moves uh, significant moves. I, I don't. I don't know about significant move. They have a couple of needs, uh, including a bat. I think a veteran bat would really help out. But see, I, I don't need them to get Machado. It, it's not a. It's not for me. It's not something where you have to do it. And like you said, Yankees maybe, Red Sox mm-hmm. maybe makes more sense for those guys that are saying like, hey, we're the best teams in baseball, and we got to get them so the other team doesn't get them, and he's our missing piece. Yep. I just, I just, it doesn't have a good feel the Phillies are doing it. I, I, I'm with you 100% there. And again, I'm, I'm okay with it as well. Look, I think I think no matter where he goes, whether it's here or somewhere else, he's going to test free agency in the offseason. It's just what happens. Yeah. This never happened. Look, he's going to get $400 million offers or whatever. He's going to test it. So, uh, look, I think that, that sure, there is certainly could be some benefit to having him here and having him meet the guys and, you know, the infrastructure in the city and all that. But I don't know. It could look. I, I it it certainly could help, especially if they do a playoff run. Cool. Exactly. And again, even with that, he's still going to go out there. And if someone else wants to pay him a hundred million dollars more, what the hell are you going to do? So, um, and again, I don't think that'll happen. But just as a as a hypothetical. All right, that's going to do it. We will be back uh, later this weekend on Sunday with another edition of the High Hopes podcast for mr twitter john marks i am james seltzer rate and review the podcast please uh, uh, please 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 it really helps us out helps people find the pod so uh, again for johnny marks i'm james seltzer we'll talk to you guys later